Jesus is the model not just for who we worship, but Jesus is the model for how we live. That becomes a framework, I think, for what God's plan and heart for the world is, is that it is possible for us to actually follow Jesus and be in fundamentally different places. And, and that's, I think, God's heart and dream for the whole world. Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Missy Montgomery, and today I'm joined over the phone with Dr. AJ Swoboda to talk about his new book, Redeeming How We Talk. How are you doing today, AJ? I'm great, Missy. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, we're happy to have you. I only butchered your name once, but we can just move on (laughs) from that. But um, I'm very interested in talking about your book because I think it's something that's very prevalent in our society today. So talk a little bit about what inspired you to write Redeeming How We Talk. Like, What did you see in your life amongst generations that really inspired you to put this book uh, together? Mm. Yeah, that's a, a great question and a great, a great uh, segue really into the, the heart of, of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Ken Weitzman and I uh, began writing this book, it, it actually be, sort of began uh, after uh, Donald Trump was elected to mm-hmm. uh, the presidency of our country. And uh, I remember I lived, I lived here in Portland, which Portland is probably one of the most progressive cities in America. Um, and I, part of a, a community of, of I pastor a church here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And, I remember the day after Trump was elected and I was walking down the street and I was just person after person, I saw the same thing. I saw young millennials who were on their phone, who were talking to their parents and were so angry at them Mm. for how they voted. And um, what I observed after the election was really um, a, a, a complete loss of communication between the older generations and the younger generations. Right. And what what I have seen time and time again is that we have ceased to learn how to talk with people that we disagree with. Um, and that that really is the heart of this book because we think that becoming uh, being a Christian. Ken Weitzman wrote this book. Believe that being a Christian means that we know how to dialogue with people who are fundamentally different than we are. Uh, there's an old adage that is that, that goes that. <clears throat> um, Having a conversation is what we do instead of war. And it mm. says that our ability to talk with one another is often the thing that keeps us at peace with one another. And if we can't do that, we really are toast. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And kind of want to dive into a little bit about, because, you know, your book does explore, you know, what the Bible talks about, the importance of conversation that makes up a relationship. So, you know, just based on what you said, how do you think God is going to feel about the lack of communications between, or even the disconnect between these generations that is in our society today? Mm. Well, it turns out, I mean, when you when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, Jesus had a remarkable capacity mm-hmm. at bridging these kinds of relationships. I find it fascinating that even within the twelve disciples that Jesus chose to come to himself, um, Jesus chose a guy named Matthew the tax collector, who was obviously kind of a big government guy. Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, worked for the federal government, and then he chose uh, Simon the Zealot, who was kind of this anti-government guy who wanted the whole thing to come down. And in a way, in a way, uh, Jesus uh, chose a, uh, a socialist democrat, and uh, and then chose a libertarian conservative and said to the two of them, hey, your politics are really cute. Why don't you come and follow me? 
Uh, it seems to me that Jesus actually intentionally chose people who were fundamentally different to be his disciples. Mm-hmm. And that, that becomes a framework, I think, for what God's plan and heart for the world is, is that it is possible for us to actually follow Jesus and be in fundamentally different places. And, and that's, I think, God's heart and dream for the whole world. I totally agree. And kind of piggybacking off of that, how can we personally live in, again, today's society where we're very heavily influenced by talking via text, social media, just very digital base? So how can we live Christ-like and be filled of faith while mm. without kind of depersonalizing the way we communicate with one another? Mm. Well, Missy, I don't know if there's any way uh, to, to, to go about uh, living our life other than the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus is the model not just for who we worship, but Jesus is the model for how we live. And uh, it's very telling to me that the model of God's communication to the world, the way that God speaks to the world, the way that God um, bears a message to the world, is that God doesn't send a text message. God doesn't mm-hmm. send a tweet. God doesn't send uh, a perfectly nuanced Facebook post. Right. Uh, Jesus uh, becomes God's word to the world. It turns mm-hmm. out that when God wants to speak to the world, he sends a person. And in our culture, that's the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our culture, we have completely replaced incarnational communication with disembodied um, textual communication. That is, rather than having dinner with each other, we text each other. Right. And something, something is completely lost when we do not spend time together. Um, I think maybe the most prophetic thing that we can do as Christians is get back to the art of eating meals together. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And, you know, you can just even go out today and you look around restaurants and no one's communicating with each other. Everyone's in their phones. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's kind of it's sad. That's what it's kind of come to. And talk a little bit about, you know, let's just kind of go back into the whole while we're on it, about social media and everything, how is this book, uh, Redeeming How We Talk, going to help kind of bridge that communications between parents and, let's say, teenagers? Because, you know, I think there's a big disconnect there. So how is this book going to possibly kind of help reinforce that? You know, we, we live in um, in a kind of cultural narrative that, that what, what I, I, I describe it, you know, we, we've, we've come up with all of, all of the isms in the mm-hmm. world, right? We have you know, sexism, uh, Islamophobism, homophobism, all these mm-hmm. isms, which these isms are real realities in our world, and we need to attend to them. But right. younger people, generally speaking, when you look at those isms, what, and racism, for example, I mean, when, when, whenever we come up with these names for these cultural ills and diseases, which are rea- real realities, we almost always come up with those names to describe other people. So nobody ever says, there's this thing called racism, and I am it. You know, it's always there's somebody else who is the problem. Right. We externalize the darkness. Everybody else is the problem. I think, which ultimately creates a whole new ism, uh, and the ism that my generation, younger people, have given themselves into, we've dealt with all the isms of Islamophobism and homophobism and sexism and racism, but we have created within our own hearts the, the new ism of elitism, and that is that we really do believe that we've arrived and we're better. Mm-hmm. And because of that, anybody that's older than us, anybody with wrinkles that disagrees, is wrong, and they're on the wrong side of history. And it's really, really, really hard to honor your mother and your father when you're dead convinced that they're on the wrong side of history. And at the end of the day, 
uh, our inability to listen to older people and listen to younger people is the result of pride and it's mm. the result of arrogance. And we have to learn the, the gifts of humility to be able to, to, to be quiet and listen to somebody that we might actually be able to learn from. Imagine right. that. Um, and that everybody else isn't the problem. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's so and, true. And that, that requires humility in right. life. Right. So I'm going to give you the floor here a little bit because I think that just kind of looking over everything about your book, Redeeming How We Talk, that it's like stacked full with just really important information, but not only that, you know, kind of um, kind of inspiration about how we should be changing the way we communicate with one another. So if there was one thing that readers, you really wanted readers to take away from this book and really um, implement it in their life, what would that be? Conversation is the lifeblood of human existence, and that we cannot live in any way at peace with each other, with ourselves, or with God, Mm -hmm. unless we learn how to talk. Um, Our ability to converse with God is dependent on a God who knows how to communicate with us, and it's dependent on a people who are willing to be honest and vulnerable with God. Mm And we can't. We have assumed that we that conversation, good conversation, is negotiable. It doesn't necessarily matter. And the well-being of the entire world is dependent on our capacity to talk. Well said. You brought up some really great points in uh, this show today, and I know our uh, listeners have appreciated that. So, if they wanted to check out your book and read it for themselves, um, where would they be able to get a copy of Redeeming How We Talk? Well, pretty much every 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 bookstore uh, that that's out there, and then you can obviously find it on all the normal online avenues. Pretty much anywhere. Perfect. Well, that sounds good. I'm sure they're uh, going to be getting their hands on that very shortly. And uh, you know, Dr. AJ Swoboda. I said that right, everybody. Let's just kind of take a moment to uh, bask in that. <laughs> um, but um, I just want to thank you for joining us today and uh, talking a little bit about something I think that is uh, a struggle for our society today. So thank you for touching on that. Yeah, thank you, Missy, for having me. It's great great to meet you. Of course. Thank you. You've been listening to Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Missy Montgomery. Fundraising is something almost every church, school, team, and club does, but for busy groups and leaders, it can be hard making time to sell. Rada Cutlery's internet fundraiser is so simple, it hardly feels like fundraising. With sign-up only taking five minutes, this program makes earning 40% fundraising profit as easy as posting on social media. Just head to radacutlery.com lp slash internet fundraising. Pick a fundraiser that works for you. Partner with a company that has 70 years of helping fundraising groups sell factory direct, 100% made in the USA kitchen products. Rada Cutlery. Again, head to radacutlery.com. That's R-A-D-A cutlery.com slash LP slash internet dash fundraising. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. 
We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.